So this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. So you can turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. And as you're doing that, let me just kind of recap of what we have been working through over this past uh, few weeks. We have been talking about discipleship and what it means to be a disciple. And we learned that a disciple is more than just somebody who learns what their teacher knows, but also does what their teacher does. And a true disciple was one who mimics their teacher. And we learned the first week, we talked about sacrifice and how a disciple means sacrifice. And we talked about some disciples that Jesus called and what were some of the things that they gave up in order to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. They gave up their family. They left their family. What else did they give up? Their jobs, their vocation. How scary would that be? Some of us would be, hey, yeah, I'll leave my family, no problem. But to leave my job, that may be a little, little bit more of a struggle. They also gave up their way of life. And we all, I think most people here, enjoy their way of life. And having to give that up. I made a, I made a trip this uh, past week, and it was kind of funny. Uh, went to go purchase something, and we had to go to uh, inner city. And we get there, and I, I had forgotten. I knew where we were going, but I had forgotten that in that area of town, they speak mostly Spanish. And it, had been se- it has been several years since I've needed to speak Spanish. And I get there... And that's all they speak. And I'm trying to communicate with them. And, I, it would, and the guy I went with, right, we leave. And I was like, well, how would you like to? He's like, no, I love my way of life. I love living here out in the country, not in inner city where there's traffic and you spend more time at a stoplight than you do actually driving. And that would be hard for us to give up. But we also talked about how when you sacrifice for God, it's like trading bags of what? Bags of dirt for bags of diamonds. And we are so, we love our bags of dirt, don't we? We love the things that make, that make us comfortable. We love the things that, that we enjoy, that we're familiar with. But when we sacrifice those things for God, we realize that what he gives us, is it better or worse? It's better. It's better. We just need to be willing to sacrifice. And those disciples who sacrificed those things, I'm sure it, would, it was hard at times. I'm sure they look back, and man, I just wish I could go back to my family. I wish I could go back to my job. I wish I could go back with what I was familiar with. But I'm sure they appreciated the bags of diamonds that they got in return for following Jesus Christ. And then we talked about Jesus' yoke. And how does he describe his yoke? It's easy, it's light. Right? Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. You know, and just how we try to do things ourselves. And how hard is it when we try to do things on our own, when we try to carry that yoke by ourselves? It gets tiring. It's difficult. But when we take Jesus' yoke, a double yoke, where he's the big ox, 
right? And we're the little one, and he does all the work, and when we don't struggle, and we just go along, how much easier is that? This morning in Sunday school, we showed a video, a music video, and it was about this, this man who did a triathlon with his handicapped child. And he swims with him. He's got a strap, and he's back on a boat. He jogs with him. He's in a, in a wheelchair, jogging, running. And then he also um, rides a bike with him on front. And as I'm watching this video, I'm like, wow, that's just like us and Jesus. He does all the work. We're along for the ride. And when we try to do the work, are we going to do it? No, we're, we're going to struggle. We're going we're gonna to fail. But Jesus' yoke is light. And then last week, what did we talk about last week? Serving. Serving. And how we need to serve like Jesus. And the example, right, because Jesus is the perfect example. He washed his disciples' feet. And what really got my attention, I think it got some of yours last week, is whose feet did he wash specifically? Judas. And if there was anybody there who was not deserving of Jesus washing their feet, who would it have been? Judas. And, and I talked about how for me personally, I can serve people who serve others. But to serve people who only serve themselves or to serve somebody who is going to betray me? Whew. That's hard, is it not? It's, it's hard for me. And one thing, too, I want to mention is, is somebody mentioned this to me this morning, that as they left church yesterday, they get out to their car, one of the first things they said was, pastor was speaking right at me. Well, I want you to know that when I, when I speak, when I preach up here, I am not thinking about you individually. I don't think, man, that Bob in the back there, he needs to work on this. And I prepare all week because he needs help. He needs to. I don't do that. So if you ever leave here and think, man, pastor's speaking to me. No, it's not me. I'm just speaking God's word. It's God. It's the Holy Spirit who's speaking to you. I'm not going to take credit for that. Besides, I don't want you getting mad at me. If you want to get mad at somebody, get mad at God because he's trying to work in you. And how many times do we do that? We get mad at God because we know he wants to work in us, but we like our bags of dirt, and we're not going to give them up. Well, today we can, we're concluding our series on discipleship, and I think today is one of, if not the most important aspect of discipleship, and that is making disciples, making disciples. And really what that is, it's reproducing Followers of Christ. Because if we are a disciple, we mimic Jesus. And if we are making disciples, they should mimic Jesus. And that is what we are called to do. Now, I was doing some quick math here today. And there's about 100 people here. And if we discipled two people Let's say this upcoming year, because this year is almost over. Let's say everybody here discipled two people next year. How many people would that be next year? 300. Wow. Now, what if those 300, right, we disciple two more people the following year? How many is that? 
six. Is that six hundred? Nine hundred, nine hundred. So it is right, nine hundred. That's almost a thousand people in how many years? Two years. Wow, does that does that sound crazy to you? That sounds ridiculous to me. And beyond that, it's what, 2,700 in three years. We could be discipling, and people could be discipling, right? People being discipled, 3, 000, close to 3,000 people. That's ridiculous. Making disciples, and it's important for us to make disciples. Why? Because God commands it. God commands it. Let's read. Follow with me, if you would. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to start with verse 16. It says, now the 11 disciples, right? Why were there 11 at this point? Judas was dead at this point. So now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is that passage called? What do we call that? The Great Commission. The Great Commission. Very important. Now, I also want to go here... Every command that's given in the Bible, is that applicable for all of us here today? So let me ask you this. God gave a command to Noah to build an ark. Does that command for all of us, should everybody here build an ark? God told Abraham to sacrifice his son. Does that mean that every father should sacrifice their son? Hey, kid, let's go for a hike. No. So we need to be careful because some commands in the Bible are for everybody. Some commands in the Bible are just for a certain group of people. And some commands are just for individuals. So this specific command was given to who? The 11 disciples. Specifically. But is that applicable for us today? Should, should this be something that God has called us to do as individuals, even though he only told the 11 disciples to do it? Yes. And the reason is because what does making disciples do? What, what does all that do? It's this right here. It's not a suggestion. It's a divine mandate. And when he's going in and saying, uh, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, right? Make disciples of them, and what does disciples mean? To people who mimic you, who mimic Christ. And so, keep going. Keep going. So, this is a command, yes, given specifically to 11 men, but something that each and every believer should do. Because, in theory, we were all discipled by somebody, and they were discipled by somebody else, and so why should it stop with us? I've heard this saying before, I don't remember where I got this from, but I've heard it before, that church, or even just Christianity, is only one generation away from what? Extinction. Because if we don't tell the further generation, the next generation, if we don't disciple the next generation, how are they going to know? 
Think about this. Our church here, Moreland Baptist Church, is only one generation away of closing our doors. Does that scare anybody? Does that sadden anybody? Have you ever been in a church that their doors have closed? You go inside, and and what once probably was a place lively, full of people, worshiping God, now there's broken windows, there's cobwebs everywhere, broken pews, just things destroyed. It's sad. Well, how does that happen? It happens because, well, one of two things. I'll say, you know, sometimes there's a city that just dies, a ghost town, and people just, just leave. But other times it's because the church, the people failed to disciple the next generation failed to to disciple those around them. And it's right here, right? It's more, it's not a suggestion and it's not a divine mandate and it's more than just converting. It's more than just converting because what does he say? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Part of it is we're supposed to reproduce followers. It's not just converting. Now, there is converting people, is leading people to the Lord important? Yes, it is. Absolutely. But if the world is full of immature Christians, Christians that are not being discipled, what's going to happen? It's, gonna, it's not going to go well. Think about a hospital that's full of immature staff. Immature doctors, immature nurses, people that don't really know what they're doing. Would you want to go to that hospital with nobody who's seasoned, nobody who knows? They're all rookies. Would you want to go to that hospital? No. No, not, not at all. And yet sometimes, right, we as Christians, we think that that's good enough. Oh, I'm saved, right? I, I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm done. While telling people about the Lord, leading people to the Lord is very important. Absolutely, it's important. There needs to be growth. There needs to be discipleship. In fact, do you remember several months ago we we handed out a survey to the church and and you filled it out? The biggest need at Moreland Baptist Church that, that you say that we have is what? Discipleship. It's a struggle because discipleship takes work. It takes time. It takes effort. Discipleship is a lifelong process. You never get to the point where you're like, I'm perfect. I've reached it. Any of you here are, are done with discipleship? You've grown enough and you think you're, you're just like Christ? You mimic Christ to a T? Anybody here? Perfect? No. Are we ever going to get there? Not on this planet, right? Not on this earth. It's a lifelong process. You never finish. In both ends, you should never finish growing yourself, and you should never finish discipling somebody else. This is a command that's given to all people. What else are they supposed to do? Not just reproduce followers, but they're supposed to baptize converts baptism. We had baptisms. We had two baptisms at the beginning of this series. And what is baptism? Does it save you? No. It's a public display 
of your faith. And we believe baptism is by immersion. And I had a conversation actually with somebody here a couple weeks ago asking about baptism. And when people ask me about that, I get really excited. Because I learned something a number of years ago that's really exciting about baptism. How many of you grow cucumbers? How many of you grow cucumbers? How many of you turn those cucumbers into pickles? Now, once you turn a cucumber into a pickle, can you turn it back into a cucumber? It's still the same thing, but it's different. It's like, how many of you toast bread? Yeah. You know, there's this comic strip back in the day. It was great. I love it. He spends hours pushing, you know, toasting bread. He's like, it's so weird because you put the bread in and what comes out? Toast comes out. Where did the bread go? Right? It's, it's this phenomenon that's just like crazy. Where does, where does it go? And can you turn a, a slice of toast back into a slice of bread? No. And what's interesting, going back to the pickle analogy, that Greek word that's used, baptizo, is actually used in a pickle recipe in the Greek. You baptize the cucumber. You baptize the cucumber because... You put a cucumber in, and what comes out? A pickle. Now, I don't want to offend anybody, but if you sprinkle a cucumber with the ingredients, does that turn it into a pickle? No. No, it doesn't. And I'm not not anti-sprinkling by any means. I'm just saying the word means immersion. And so when we baptize, we immerse people. Not only does the word baptism mean immersion, but baptism is also a public display of your faith. And you're relating to Jesus Christ. Who was what? Baptized. He was also baptized, but he died and he was buried and he was resurrected. And so that's what, that's what it's a picture of. Jesus wasn't just close to death. He wasn't hanging on, clinging on for dear life for three days. He was literally dead. His body was no more. And so that's why baptism is is so important. And we need to baptize believers. That is what God has called us to do. And then this, this next part, teaching is significant. Teaching is significant. Why is teaching significant? We have teachers here. Is teaching significant? It better be. You do it. At least I think you do it. You get paid to do it. I I hope you're teaching. But it's significant because if you don't teach, how is anybody, how are your students going to learn? Teaching's significant. What is wrong with, with, what's wrong with students who never learn anything? Make, they make poor choices. Even educated people make poor choices. But that's right, they make poor choices. They, they can't do the things that, that somebody who's educated can. But the same thing with Christianity. If we don't know what God's word says, what do we end up making? Poor choices. Absolutely. Absolutely. And let's go here. Again, what are we teaching? Verse 20. 
teaching them to observe some that I've commanded you? Teaching you to conserve just, just certain parts of what I've commanded you? What's that word there? All. Teaching, you to, uh, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Not just bits and pieces, but all of it. Is that challenging? Is that scary? How can you teach others all? You have to learn it. You have to read it. You have to spend time. You have to be taught yourself. If you have somebody who has never taught anything and goes out and tries to teach something, I don't know, our teachers here, did you ever go to any schooling yourself? Were you taught? I hope so, right? Yeah. Do you even have a degree? You have to have a degree. You, you should have a degree because if you don't, who knows what you're teaching? You could be teaching the wrong way to do stuff. But not only are we teaching, just imparting knowledge, but we're also inspiring transformation. Because what good is knowledge if you don't use it? Does it do you any good? It's like getting a degree and then not getting a job in that field. Anybody here earn a degree and not using it? Yeah. Do you ever wonder why you went to school in the first place? Why did I spend all this time? Why, why, why? Yeah. If If you don't use it, what's the point? God's word is the same. We need to learn it. We need to to study it. We need to apply it to our lives and then teach others so that they too can apply it to their lives. Going back to to churches, not every church is like that, but there are some churches that don't teach God's word. In fact, we were driving yesterday. We passed by a church and the church on the sign said, still teaching God's word. Now that should be understood. Every church should still be teaching God's word. But do they? No. I went to a church one time. I was visiting a church. Get there. They had some announcements. We, we sang some songs. And the pastor got up and, and prayed. After he prayed, I got out my Bible. Okay, I'm ready to learn. You know what everybody else did? They got up and walked out. That was the end of the church service. We never even opened up the Bible once. Did I go back to that church a second time? No, I didn't. It was just a club that people got together, talked about what was going on, sang some songs, and then left. I did not even know churches like that existed. But they do. And if one church that I went to did that, do you think there's other churches that do that as well? Yeah, and so when I read that sign, I, it was just reminded me that not every church does that. Not every church teaches through Scripture. Not every church even opens their Bible when they get together. Now, is that going to produce Christians? Is that going to produce people who mimic Christ? No. No, it doesn't. And so it's just, just a reminder that we have a job to do. It's not called the Great Commission for nothing. It's not, oh, it's a good commission. It's a recommended condi- yeah, commission. No, it's the Great Commission, and it's a mandate for us. But it's hard for us to do at the same time. Why? 
because we live in a broken world. We look around and it's tough. There's a lot of sin in this world. And so many churches, they try to be like the world in order to get the world to come to them. And what does that produce? It produces churches with people who don't know really what the Bible says. I was talking to somebody else the other day. They like the church they go to. They enjoy the church they go to. They appreciate the teaching. But at the end of the day, they want to go deeper. They, every day, every week, it's just a shallow service because it, it's a church designed to bring people to the Lord. Very important. Very important. But what happens is if we stay there, we just have thousands of people who just barely know, know the Lord. They barely know what the Bible teaches, which is where we end up with society, I think, today, which is where we're at today. A lot of people, it's, it's amazing how many people claim to be Christians, but yet they don't know what the Bible says. And they're okay with people living in sin because it's, it's a choice. It's how they were born. It's how they were raised. And they even support living in sin. Now, should a Christian support sin? Should we affirm sin in any way? No, and, and it doesn't matter what that sin is. We shouldn't affirm it. Now, everybody here is a sinner. We all sin. But we shouldn't affirm each other's sin. Say, hey, that's okay to say that. It's okay to do those things. No. No. We need to grow. It's a broken world, and we, who do we need? We need Jesus. We need Jesus, and the world needs Jesus. Because who can fix this broken world? Jesus can. And if we don't get out there, if we don't make disciples, is the world going to be fixed? Should we be surprised that the world is in the state that it's in? No, because they don't have Jesus. And whose fault is it really that they don't have Jesus? It's us as believers. Because we, because we are not proclaiming the gospel. Instead, we just kind of do our own thing. We, we stay huddled in our Christian groups, and we never speak Jesus. But imagine if, again, if everyone here discipled two people, man, 300 people. And if we did it again for another year, 900 people. We do it again, 2,700 people. Now, again, they don't all have to come here. There's other churches where they can get fed. There's other churches where they can grow. But imagine the impact if we had 3,000 growing Christians. How many is that the following year? 9,000 people. That's ridiculous. Can you imagine if there were 9,000 people in our community who were actively growing, wanting to be more like Christ, mimicking Christ? And how long would it take us? Three years. Three lousy years. Think about that. Isn't that just mind-boggling when you put that into perspective? And that's just two people discipling two people a year. But we need Jesus. And churches, it's not just about increasing numbers. 
Like I said, numbers are good. Numbers are nice. I like numbers. I like, you know, and it's, it's tempting, but I like looking at our numbers and saying, hey, we're getting more and more people here. That's exciting. But is numbers everything? No. And it's a temptation to get hung up on the numbers. But what's more important, to have a thousand people here or to have a hundred people who are actively growing in their faith? A hundred people actively. Because those thousand people will stay a thousand people after four years. Those a hundred people, they're going to surpass the thousand in just a few years. God wants us, right, to be growing. So it's not just about the numbers. He wants us to produce genuine followers. Genuine followers. Not just those who say they follow Christ, but those who are genuine followers. That's what he wants. That's what this great commandment is all about. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Teaching them all, right? Everything, everything that he taught. Teach them to others. What would happen if Christians around the world did that? If every believer began to mimic Christ and we began to disciple others to mimic Christ? We would change the world. The world we look at today would be completely different in a few years. And that's if we just started here, just in this country church. Just because we're a country church doesn't mean we can't make an impact in the world. We start small. If I said, I need you to disciple 100 people this year, would that be overwhelming? Yeah. Two people. One may be a little overwhelming for some people. It's intimidating when you disciple somebody else. It's intimidating when you teach somebody else. Because what? Because you need to know what you're talking about. And some of us don't like to put forth the effort. But we change the world. And how do we do that? Well, we teach others to believe in Christ. That's foundational. If you don't believe in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not going to get anywhere. Or anywhere that you do get, you're going to be so tired and weary because you're carrying your own yoke. You're doing the work yourself. So it needs to be more than that. Not just believe in Christ, but to follow his example. We follow his example. And what does that mean? We talk about our, our, what we sacrifice. What did Jesus sacrifice to come to earth? To even just come to earth. He sacrificed heaven. Comfort. To come to earth. To suffer, not just physically, but emotionally, spiritually. When he was on that cross, he not only suffered physically, but he suffered what, separation from God, from himself. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If we're supposed to mimic him, maybe we need to make sacrifices ourselves. Is it worth it? 
It is. It is. Now, when I say that God commands every one of us to disciple others, is there anybody out there who's nervous or maybe you don't know how to do that? This church, a few months ago, and we've talked about it, but we now have a, a subscription to Right Now Media. If you haven't signed up, in your bulletin, there's information there. There is a link you can type into your computer. If you have a smartphone and you know how to use it, you can actually just scan the QR code, and it takes you, it takes you right there. How many people here have actually had a chance to look at Right Now Media? And all? Is there a lot of resources there? There are resources for anything you could think of. Men's ministry, women's ministry, marriage, parenthood. There are, are videos for children to even watch. Biblical videos that are solid. And that is a gift from our church to you that you can use anytime. If you have internet connection, you can do it while, while you're traveling, while you're at home, even when you're out hunting and you're waiting for the big one to come out. You can watch a video. And if you don't have cell service, that's fine. You can download it at home and watch it where you have no cell service. But it's a great tool. I use it for our men's breakfast. And I've talked about it before. That that's what we do. And how do we do it, men? We, we watch a video. And then there's a handout with questions. And you just go through and you just questions back and forth so that everybody's growing. Our church, because of our survey, right, we see how, how important discipleship is. But not just a survey. God's word says that discipleship is very, very important and how we need to train the next generation. Because remember, Christ, even just Christianity is one generation away from extinction. How many of you, and not to get sad or, or ran on anybody's parade, but how many of you are going to be here in 40 years? Randy is. <laughs> He's never dying, right? Would it sadden you if in 40 years we had to close our doors? After all we've done, even just these past couple of years, what are you doing to make sure that this church remains open in 40 years, 50, 60, in 100 years? How many people are going to be here in 100 years? Maybe Noel. Maybe. How old is she now? Is she two yet? Not quite. So she might be here. Do you want to make sure that she has the church to go to when she's 100, 101? Yeah. So what are we doing about that? If we are not discipling anybody and the church has to close its doors, should we be surprised? Should we blame somebody else for it? No, who do we have to blame? Ourselves. And so this morning, if you think I'm preaching at you, please know I'm not. I'm just sharing what God's word says. This is not a commandment for me. Who gave this commandment? And Jesus came and said to them, who gave this commandment? Jesus did. Jesus did, not me. I'm just reading it to you. And I'm just doing my best to, to explain it to you. 
And what's interesting here, I, I want to read the first couple of verses again back in our passage in Matthew 28. Right. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some, what? Some doubted. Now think about that. They were with Jesus for three and a half years. They saw him die on the cross. Buried. Rose again. They even ate and fellowshiped with him after that. And they still what? They still doubted. It's so easy for me to look at those guys and be like, man, what is your problem? I can't believe you doubted after all you've seen. But how many of us here still doubt from time to time? Do you ever doubt that God will do what he says he'll do? I do. Should I? No. But sometimes I doubt because I look around and I see all the negativity, all the sin, and I just doubt. But those guys doubted too. Now, did they not do the Great Commission because they doubted, or did they do it anyway? They did it anyway. So if you have any doubt this morning, that's okay. It's not an excuse. You don't get out of following God because you have doubts. Maybe they had doubts. I bunch of different reasons. Maybe, maybe it, like, God, you're so great. I could never do what you did. God says, follow me, mimic me. So that's our challenge this week is for you to mimic Christ. Serve others, even those who hate you, even those who get on your nerves, those who annoy you, because if Jesus could wash Judas' feet, we could wash those of our enemies, those who betray us. And if we're called to mimic him in all things, we can't just pick and choose. But what would this church, what would this community, what, what would it be like if in three years there were 900 people discipling and being discipled? That's huge. That's huge. We're called, we're called to do it. Who's responsible for the results, though? Ultimately, it's God. Right? It's God. But we need to do our part. We can't just sit back and let somebody else do the job. We are all responsible to make disciples. We are all responsible for... Um, making, right, for reproducing followers of Christ. But we can only do that if we ourselves are following Christ to begin with. Let's pray.